Father, I ask you to bless my husband with uh, your words, your fire, Father, the fire Amen. of your spirit on Amen. him. Father, I pray that you bless the hearing of all those here today, Father, that we would hear not what my husband says, but what your Holy Spirit says Amen, and says through him, Father, even beyond what he says, that Amen, you would Lord. speak to each person, Father, and their hearts Amen. would be open to your word and to your power, to your life-changing and life-giving power in Yeshua's name. Amen. Hallelujah. We were, uh, we were hoping to come down here last December, uh, and we couldn't because of health issues down here. Since then, then we, were, we left the country. Uh, but I'm back here on, on R&R, and so it's, I'm happy to be back here. When, we came, when I came back, I felt like the Lord, the first thing on my heart, and Pam can, aside from seeing her, uh, who had been back here doing taxes, but really the first thing on our list of things to do that the Lord put there was to come here. So bless the Lord. We're blessed to be here. Uh, title of my talk is The Gospel of the Kingdom. Uh, and part of this, I was struck last year, if you remember, there were the fires in California. And you remember that there was a group of people who were at a, a lake up in Northern California, and they were all just vacationing or whatever in their RVs. And then the fires cut them off. And they got surrounded by this fire and then, literally, they had to go out into the lake, and they were having to dip their head down below the lake, and then the helicopter came in, helicopters from the National Guard came in and pulled them out just in time. And it struck me how that's the vision that a lot of people have in the church today for our lives. We're just, it's going get, to just get terrible, and it's all going to be bad, and then we'll be helicoptered out, and won't it be great? And we're lacking a real vision for what God wants to do. And I think that's what I'm hoping to impart a little bit of today. Because God wants to bring his kingdom to the earth. And he wants to use you and me and all of us to bring his kingdom. And, you know, we read the scripture when Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I think a lot of people have a view that somehow there are these gates that are going around and beating people up. But I want you to know that's not what it's talking about. It's not that the gates, you know, the gates are going to be hitting us and we're going to just barely survive the attack of the gates. No. It's that we're supposed to go take the gates of the enemy. We're supposed to go break through the strongholds of the enemy. And when we do, there are captives. There are people there waiting to be ransomed. And I know in all of our lives, all of us can think about people that we know, that we love, that we prayed for. And I want you to know, God put those people on your heart because they're supposed to be your reward. They're supposed to be your ransom. That when you go and you can take that victory, you're going to be able to spoil the enemy. And you're going to be able to take those people out of where they're at. You're going to be able to see them come to faith. So, gospel of the kingdom. Yeshua said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Could I get the next slide? Okay. And I talk here about, you know, this is end, the end time view that a lot of people have. And a lot of times we've reduced the gospel to just be pray a prayer. 
and that's it. We're just going to, you know, you're just going to pray a prayer and then you're done, right? But God has a plan. God has an intention. And in Habakkuk, it says that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And we're not there. You know, I heard Don Finto talking about this, and he said, you know, he can believe God easily for some things. And then he gets, you know, there are progressively more things that God said he's going to do. And this is one that he said, okay, God, you said that the knowledge of the Lord, glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so I believe it because God spoke it. And we're going to see it. So how do we come to that? Can I get next slide? So what, let's look a little bit at Daniel, because there's a picture in Daniel about the kingdom of God, and he has a vision of the kingdom of God. And you can follow along if you want to, Daniel 2. And this is when he has Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And it's interesting with Nebuchadnezzar, because the country we live in, Turkmenistan, the president made a large golden statue of himself that turns to follow the sun. Although he says that it's actually the sun following him. So, yeah, we can, we can maybe connect a little bit with Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he sees the different coming kingdoms. But the part I want to focus on is the kingdom of God. And in 44... Daniel 2, 44, it says, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. It will crush and put an end to all. It will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true, the interpretation is trustworthy. And in Revelations, we read again about this, where it says, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. So there's a coming kingdom that's going to cover the whole earth, that's going to take... Did I get next slide? Okay. Uh, first thing to know about a kingdom is that in a kingdom, you only have one king, right? And I like this passage in Joshua. Because Joshua's coming into the land, and Joshua, God encouraged him and told him, you know, be strong and be courageous. And they got the spies into Jericho, and he's like, he's all ready, he thinks. And he, he, you know, he's in charge, and he thinks it's all good. And he comes outside of Jericho, and uh, he's trying to get a plan for what to do, and he thinks he's the one sort of in charge, right? And it came about, this is verse 13 of Joshua 5. It came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? 
which tells you that Joshua needed a little adjustment of his attitude. <laughs> if you see a man with a sword drawn, you may want to pay attention to him. And the man said, the Lord, this is the Lord said, no, rather indeed I come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord say to, to say to my servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So if we have the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, the first fact is that there's a king, and we need to be in right relation with the king. Next slide. So we begin by acknowledging God, and I love this picture at the beginning of Isaiah, where Isaiah has a revelation of the Lord. Isaiah 6, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And Isaiah has the right response. This is, this is the woe is me response that all of us When we really see the Lord, when we really see what he's doing, our first step is saying, oh, woe is me. And he humbles himself. He says, woe is me, for I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. But then... The Lord sends a seraphim with a burning coal, touches his lips. And the Lord says, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is forgiven. And immediately then there's this call, this commission. And this call and commission is really for all of us. When we see the Lord, when we come into an encounter with him, the Lord, you know, when we see him, our first response is, Oh, I'm a mess. And that's right. But then, the next step is he says, yes, you are, <laughs> but I'm here to redeem you. I'm here to make you holy. And then the next step is we say, he says, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And our response is, Hineni, here I am. Send me. Send me. Next slide. Good, okay. So, Yeshua preached a lot of things, but he preached the kingdom of God. He talked a lot about the kingdom of God being at hand. If we look in Matthew 4, but it's really throughout all the Gospels. Yeshua constantly was talking about the kingdom of God. And we'll look at Matthew 4. If I'm going through it too fast, tell me. We can take more time, but I want to take time to let the Lord speak to us. So after he's tempted, it's interesting, the temptation, you know, I know we all know this, but it's interesting that Yeshua is baptized, and it says he went out filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But after that trial period, it says he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, there's a, 
there's a key for us that the Lord wants to give us the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to bring us to a new level where we're beyond just our own understanding, our own how far we can go by ourselves. God wants to take us higher than we can go. And he let him, he let him out and, in, and he started preaching the kingdom of God. He was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria. They brought to him all who were ill, suffering with various diseases, pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. You know, and one of the good signs of revival is uh, if you look at when David went to the cave at Agilom, signs of revival is it says everyone who was oppressed, who was sick, who was in debt, who was in trouble in Israel went to David at the, ca at the cave of Agilom. So if revival's coming and you start seeing unusual people showing up, that's good. <laughs> that's a good sign. <clears throat> Because people who are oppressed and troubled are looking for relief. And by the way, we're all oppressed and troubled. So let's be real. Uh, but God wants to bring those people in. But you know, the, the, the next step to remember is David took those oppressed, troubled people and they, God turned them into David's mighty men. So... Praise God that they're coming. Praise God. God will turn them into mighty men and mighty women. I'm not, I'm not limiting it. So, if you look in Matthew 10, it says this one here, 10.1, Yeshua summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal a few Oh, no, wait. Every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. I think we're seeing something where our current state is not matching where we're supposed to be going. But uh, so are we going to stay in our current state or are we going to believe in God to... Anybody want to believe in God for us to... Man, amen. Okay, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, we just read the other day about the story of Jacob when Laban made a deal with him, or he made a deal with Laban and said, you know, I can have the, the speckled and spotted sheep and goats. And then he set up the rod over the watering area and he saw them speckled and spotted. And then they became speckled and spotted. It's funny how that worked. I don't think that's a natural law. <laughs> but I think that's a supernatural process. So I think God wants to bring the kingdom of God with signs and wonders, with power. Uh, the word, it, it talks about in preaching in the early church that he, Paul says, I came with the word and deed. Or he also says, I came with word and power. And I think one thing we have in America is word. But I don't see the power. And I know God wants to bring the power. And the word we can get from our head, and, and often people do, 
And therefore, the word that they're putting in some of the churches isn't necessarily the pure word, but they've got something going on from their head. But we want the word and power. We want the word and deed coming. Can I get the next? All right. Yeshua taught us to pray for the kingdom. We pray it. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're supposed to be praying for the kingdom. We're supposed to be believing and seeing the kingdom of God come into reality here. Next slide. Am I making that? I'm moving my head too much. He called us to establish his kingdom. If you look in Matthew 18, not only are we supposed to walk in it, but we're supposed to have a work in establishing it. 18 through 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Oops, no, 28. Oh, you know what? I went to 18, not 28. Let me get to 28. It'll work better. Uh, Matthew 28. This is uh, the great suggestion. Oh, wait, no, it's not the great suggestion. It's uh, a great commission. Yeshua came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So we have a commandment. It's not even, like, it's not the great suggestion. Next. So, there's this notion of the fullness of the Gentiles coming in and the promise for what will happen when all Israel is restored. And, and, you know, as a Messianic congregation, this is very important to us. It's important that we remember it. If you look in Romans 11, it talks about this. He says, I don't want you to be, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery so that you'll, not, so that you'll be, not be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So this notion of tikkun ha'olam, to talk about tikkun ministry, it means restoration. And literally the restoration of all things is what they're talking about. So all Israel will be saved, just as is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. It's my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So if the hardening of, you know, if the Gentiles not coming in brought salvation to the Gentiles. I mean, Israel rejecting the Lord for a while brought salvation to the Gentiles. Israel returning, it says, will be life from the dead, which tells me we haven't experienced that. Well, I think we all know we haven't experienced that yet. But there's a greater thing coming in that we're going to be part of. Go to the next. So what are the signs of the kingdom of God? And again, in Matthew 11, John the Immerser, you know, I, I sympathize with him because he, he knew 
there was this sign that the dove came and rested on Yeshua, and he said, okay, that's it. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes with sin. You know, and he knew that was Yeshua. And then he went to prison. And in prison, you rethink things sometimes, and you struggle sometimes, right? Uh, and so John wasn't sure. And John said, are you the expected one? Shall we look for someone else? So what was Jesus' answer? What was Yeshua's answer? He said, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who doesn't take offense in me. A little note for John there. Uh, in John 14... Again, we, if we're talking about what are the signs of the kingdom of God, John 14, it talks about this. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. This is what I was talking about with word and deed. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, because I go to the Father. And if we look in the early church, we saw that. Um, I don't remember Yeshua's shadow healing anyone. Do you remember Yeshua's shadow healing anyone? I haven't read about that in the gospel account. But yet, Peter's shadow healed someone. That's pretty cool. Yeshua... They brought the sick to him and he prayed for them and they were healed. But Paul and Peter, they even brought cloths and said, could you just pray on this cloth and then we'll go bring it back? And people were healed. Now we've lost that because I think in part because we got so smart. <laughs> and we came up with theology and we came up with all these other reasons why, you know, but God wants to restore the power. God wants to restore the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to move on the earth, not, not to force anybody to believe, but God wants to have those signs accompanying. God wants to move in power on the earth again. And I don't know about you, but I'm saying, Hineni, here I am, Lord. I'm willing. I want your spirit. I want to be by you. I want to be a part of what you're doing on the earth, establishing your kingdom. Next. All right. So, what should our lives be like? And this, I think, I mean, we all know this. First Peter. I'll, I'll read it up there. It's easier. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come as you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Messiah within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Messiah and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. That's an amazing scripture. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely 
on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Messiah Yeshua. As obedient children, don't be conformed to the former lusts which are yours in ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it's written, you shall be holy as I am holy. How do we become holy? Is this something that I can just, you know, like white knuckle club, make, you know, I'm, oh, I'm going to work really hard at it. By the way, I'm, I'm, no, it doesn't work. But by surrendering yourself to God, by giving yourself over to him completely, his nature will grow in you. In Galatians, it talks about, you know, what, in Watchman Nee in his book, Christian Life, said, this is the normal Christian life, Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I, but Messiah. So that's where we're all headed. Next slide. Now, what hinders the gospel? What hinders the gospel of the kingdom of our life? Well, one, one thing that hinders it is when we're concerned about our own paneled houses. And Haggai they were busy, they were worried. They'd just come back to Israel, they were living in Jerusalem, and their houses were a mess. So they kept gathering stuff to work on their houses, and God kept blowing it away. They kept pulling together things to do what they felt they needed to do, and God blew it away. And God said, okay, <laughs> let's get this right. You know, you gather, and I blow it away. First, build the kingdom of God. Build the house of God. So we need to, our concern needs to, our zeal needs to be for the Lord and for what the Lord's doing. Um, we need to seek God and turn from our ways. We need to recognize that we belong to another kingdom. You know? We represent another king. We're all ambassadors here. I work, you know, I'm a foreign service officer, a diplomat, but I'm, I'm, I've got two kingdoms I'm representing. <laughs> you know, we, we're an ambassador. If you're an ambassador, you have to act a different way. You, you're not, in the country we live in, in Turkmenistan, on every street there are policemen who stand there with, we call them pajalsta sticks. It's, you know, it's just a little baton and they wave down cars, and they take bribes, and it's all day long, you know. Uh, after 12 o'clock, if your car is dirty, they will wave you down, and they'll ticket you, and you can pay 50 minat to the officer right there, or you go into the, go into the police station, you pay 500 minat. So you pay 50 minat to the officer, and they take it, and they pass some of the bribe up to their superiors, and, and they're under this corrupt system where everywhere in the country there is this corrupt system working. But I'm a diplomat, and I have different license plates on my car, and I see them with their little sticks, and I wave at them. I go, hello. And, they, and sometimes, you know, they're, they're trying to wave me down, and then they see that plate, and they go like, ah. Well, I'm a diplomat. I'm, I'm representing a different kingdom. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador for the Messiah here on the earth. You represent a different kingdom. And, you know, the other people have another king, 
but you have King Yeshua, and that's going to change how you live. In Ezekiel 47, I love this scripture. It's talking about the, the, the river coming out from the temple. And it's talking about how it's, it's flowing out right from the temple. And Ezekiel, you know, it says, you know, the, the angel brought me to the back of the door of the house, and behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east. So the house faced east. And the water was flowing down from under, from the right side of the house, from south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate, led me around to the outside of the outer gate by way of the gate that faces east. And behold, water was trickling down from the south side. When the man went out toward the east with the line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits and he led me through the water, reaching the ankles. You know, I think about little kids at the beach. You know, they like, ooh, it's kind of fun, splashing around. Water's at my ankles. Oh, that's nice. But that's not where he stops. When the man measured a thousand, led me through the water, water reaching the knees. And I'm like, okay, that's all right. I'm, you know, splashing. Still, I'm, I'm on the solid. I can feel, you know, like part of the earth. Right? I'm in control. He measured a thousand times, and it was a river, or water reaching the loins, then water reaching that I couldn't ford. The water had risen, enough water to swim, a, water that, a river that couldn't be forded. So the Lord's calling us out. And sometimes we've been walking on the bottom of the water, and we've been enjoying that because we feel like we're in control. Like, okay, I'm gonna, Lord, I'll do a little bit for you, but I just am going to stay where I can keep walking, you know? But God's calling us all out above our heads. He's calling us all out to a place where unless you meet me, God, I'm not going to be able to do this. That's a calling for all of us over our heads. But you know what? As we do that, he meets us. As we do that, we find his grace. We find his, his life in a way that we haven't had. So what do we do? We, we want to long for more of the Holy Spirit. We want to knock and keep on knocking. We want to ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Next. Martin Luther. I don't like a lot of quotes from Martin Luther, but I like two quotes from Martin Luther. One of them is, Yea, though he comes tomorrow, yet today will I plant my olive tree. That's a great quote. The second one that I like, though, is this one here. Martin Luther said there are really only two days in the Lord. <clears throat> there's today, and there's the great and terrible day of the Lord. But today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your hearts as your fathers did in the wilderness. Today, we can repent. When it's the great and the terrible day of the Lord, it's too late. But today, we have today. Encourage one another day after day as long as it's still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulnesses of sin. For we become partakers of Messiah if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it said today, don't harden your hearts is when they provoke me. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Next. 
says, see to it that you don't refuse him who's speaking. For if those did not escape when he warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he's promised, saying, yet once more I'll shake not only the earth but heaven. I'll tell you what, if you follow the news, has this started? Seems like a lot of things are shaking now. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken, of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. You know, we think of things as being incredibly permanent, but they're not. You know, we, uh, in Turkmenistan, they had, at one time, the largest city in the whole world, the city of Merv was in Turkmenistan, and they were the largest, during the medieval period, they were the largest city in the entire world. And Genghis Khan came along, and he said, surrender, and I'll let you live. Fight me, and I'll destroy you. And they said, who are you? You know, I mean, uh, you know. this was before he got a big name. He destroyed the city of Merv. He killed every single man, woman, and child in the city of Merv. He destroyed the entire city. It's a beautiful archaeological site, but there's no city left there. And how many people spent their lives saying, well, Merv is always going to be here. <laughs> there's always been a Merv. You know, Merv is so real. But yet... Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And we have received an unshakable kingdom. Let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. Next. That's the last one. Good. Bless the Lord. Uh, well, you know. So, I want to close really just by exhorting all of us, all of us. You know, we, we know that there's a now and yet not yet. And that's, that's real. We're in a period of now and not yet. Yeshua announced now the kingdom of God is at hand. But yet, it's not yet, is it? It's not yet fully. But I would propose to all of us that it's, the Lord wants to bring a lot more of the now than we're walking in. We've settled for, oh, that's a, that was for then. You know, we're not, thankfully, I don't think any of us are in the notion of dispensation that, oh, the Holy Spirit was just until the perfect came. Have you ever heard that from dispensationalists? They say, well, the miracles were only until the perfect came. And the perfect was when we finished writing the last word of the Bible. And then it was perfect. And I had somebody tell that to me, and I said, you really think it's perfect now? You know? Uh, I don't think it's perfect. But God wants to bring more. And it's our unbelief, and it's our sin that's caused it to dry up. But God, as we believe, as we give ourselves to the Lord, God is going to restore 
the miraculous, restore the power of God. You want to... I think... Do I want to... Okay. is very precious. been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. You have been bought with a price. You have been bought with a price. You have been bought with a price. And you are not your own. You're not your own. Paul said that he was being poured out like a drink offering. And he wasn't partway poured out. You can have your life pure. You can have your life clear. You can have your life totally seeming holy. But he wasn't partially poured out. wasn't even mostly poured out. Because anything that's left inside is restricted. Is restricted from going into the body of Messiah. Is restricted from being used by the power and love of God. When you are poured out, when we are poured out entirely, we're not just poured out, we're poured in. We're poured into Yeshua in a way that works through his whole body and reaches all. Because then we're part of his power and of his love. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. There's nothing. Not even a drop. We're not our own. Not even a drop. We need to be entirely poured out and poured into him.
mic so that um, <laughs> Hi, um, I'm gonna grab my guitar real quick from the back room. <laughs> I'm Steven, by the way. Hi, everyone. God for praying mothers. That was my mom that just spoke. <laughs> um, yeah, whoop. <laughs> um, she's been praying for, for me a long time, and I'm still waiting for a lot of the victory she's praying for, but a lot of it has come, so hallelujah. <laughs> um, just as a, a prequel, um, if the Lord has stirred in your heart anything that's already been spoken, and you can hear him whispering to you, and you need to disengage from what's happening, whether my testimony or, or the, the songs I'm gonna play, just go for it. Like, I'm not, we're not here to perform for you. All the gifts, all these callings are to equip the body to know him. Like, <laughs> that first commandment is hear. Hear the Lord and love him. So if the Lord's speaking to you, and it's not the words that's coming out of my mouth or from the song, listen to him, not to us. <laughs> like, listen to, no, listen to him. Um, but yeah, I was at a, Mr. Pallages and, and Anne's and, uh, last night for dinner, and um, I was just talking to uh, Ariel and Seth actually about their testimonies, and when they were sharing, it just, it strikes me again, like, this is how the Lord, how the Lord brings us to, to him. Um, every story is a little bit different. There's, there's a different, a different beginning, a different process, but there's, there's patterns that emerge. There's, there's similarities, just not the same timing. Um, so how the Lord leads us is, is just so precious. Um, so if, if the Lord's leading you into his presence with the testimonies, with the prophetic words, jump in. If it's, if it's to weep in your car, go there. If it's to kneel in the back, go there. If it's to read your word, go there. Wherever the Lord is leading you, go, run. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, uh, I grew up in the Messianic movements. Um, my mom <laughs> got highly impacted with, with some God encounters when she first, when she first experienced the Messianic worlds, and, uh, that's where she raised us, and I'm very grateful, actually, <laughs> even though, as far as I know, we're not Jewish. Um, there's something, something special about being involved in the Lord's plan for his people. Um, yeah, so I grew up in a Messianic Jewish uh, private school, and I just had this, this hunger for God to know him. Um, uh, we, had, we had a pretty broken family growing up. My dad left when I was pretty young. Um, but even as a kid, there was just this, like, this understanding that, okay, my father's not here. I need a father. So I've heard God's, my, God's a father, so I should have him be my father. <laughs> like, there's, there's something missing here, and who God is seems to be that that completion, that wholeness that, that's not in me. Um, it, it took me longer than my classmates to learn how to read, but when I did, it was, it was a John 1. <laughs> it, just the sweetness of the word, and having that be like the first thing I learned how to read was just very impacting of this is, this is real bread, this is real food, this is truth that is actually filling something empty inside of me. Um, uh, so yeah, growing up, that was... That was my perception of the word of the Lord, my perception of scripture, of this is, this is bread, this is, this is truth. Um, and, and as a kid, I had, I had two prayers 
Like once, once I got more familiar with the word, I had two prayers because I could see in scripture that these men and women, they, they, were, they were on the earth for a purpose. They, they, had, they had a reason, they had a destiny and they could hear God's voice to follow that destiny. Um, so as a kid, like elementary, middle school, I had, I had these two prayers I would constantly ask God, why am I here? What is my purpose? What is my destiny? That, that question of who am I kind of thing. And then the second was, talk to me. I want to hear your voice. What do you sound like? What are you saying to me personally, specifically? And for years, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. Like, I, for years, I'd be praying this, and I'd be like, God, I'm, I'm reading this in your word. This is truth. I'm sure of it. I don't know why I'm sure of it, but this is truth. <laughs> and I would be asking and asking and asking. And there'd be times of doubt. There'd be times of like, God, why, why do I keep asking and you don't listen kind of thing? Um, but then there'd just be this, this sense of, of certainty, of like, of, I guess it's faith, of this, this is truth, and I haven't experienced it yet, but I know it's true. Um, and in, in uh, I think it was seventh grade, I finally, finally heard God's voice where I was sure. Um, and I was reading, uh, I think it was Second Samuel, where, where David has his second son through Bathsheba, and, Nathan, and uh, God sends Nathan the prophet to tell him, um, I, I love him, so call his name Jedidiah, which means loved by God. Um, and when I read that, I was alone in the classroom, and it was like, it was like God was speaking that to me. It was like in that moment, I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't even hear that whisper in my mind. It was just, I'm reading this right now, and I know God is saying that you are Jedidiah. Like, this is your name, that I am loved by God. <laughs> um, whew. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> And I've heard the Lord's voice since, and I think every, every, everything that I've heard from him and everything I've learned about him since then is built on that foundation of, of this, this is the Lord's love for me, that he, he calls me by name. He calls me loved by God. Um, and the broken family, that was very, they're very relevant to me, very powerful, and it still is. Um, in, uh, in high school, junior year, started getting hit with this really, really bad depression, um, and it's, that cycle's still happening every six months or so. I'm just kind of in the middle of it right now, which is why I was, I was hesitant of coming here because I'm still in the middle of this depression and I haven't been, been praying and reading the Bible as much or at all sometimes during the week. And there's this hesitancy for me to like step out in my giftings, probably pride and shame mixed in there. Um, but this is, this is a testimony that Whew, the gifts and call of God are irrevocable. Like, it's not based on our, our wisdom, our strength, our faithfulness. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a witness of this. I'm not, I'm not very wise. I'm not very strong. I haven't been really faithful to the Lord. And I've had to repent over and over and over, and still he forgives me. And, and this, this is who he is. Like, he's faithful. He's true. Um, but yeah, so I've been going through this, this, this cycle of depression and shame and hopelessness. And every time... Every time he kind of turns me from those thoughts to turn me to the Shema, to hear him again, to, to stop listening to those voices, to stop listening to those feelings, even though when they feel so strong, it comes back to this, you are loved. Stephen, you are loved. I call you Jedediah. I call you loved by God. And, and that foundational truth, um, I haven't learned it yet, obviously, if I'm still <laughs> running away from him in shame sometimes, but every time I come back, it's that, 
that same truth just hits me over and over and over, and it's just, it hasn't, it hasn't gotten stale, it hasn't gotten tired, it's been what, like, whew, 10, 15 years I've heard this truth, and I'm, I'm, I'm learning new things about it, but the, the, the core of it, the love of God is, is real, it's, it's powerful, it's life. Um, so yeah, that's part of my story, <laughs> ongoing. <laughs> um, one of the songs God put on my heart, it's, uh, it's called Come. The, uh, whew, I'm gonna set this mic down for a second. <laughs> Check, check, cool. <laughs> um, it's called Come. The, the idea behind it when I was writing it was, um, I guess two of the themes were whew, repentance and, and this phrase, I set my face like flint. Um, I forget, where, where is that, Steve? Do you, Jeremiah? Yeah. So that this idea of this, like, I will not, I will not turn away. I set my face like flint towards the Lord. Um, it reminds me of when, when Yeshua was going to Jerusalem, and there's this phrase in there, he set his face toward Jerusalem, that nothing would deter him from going, even though he knew what was coming. Um, so the song, it's called Come. It's, it starts with, uh, <laughs> we, we enter into his presence, we come to him, and it ends with the cry of our hearts that he would come, that he would return to us. Um, one of the lines that still hits me is, uh, See the city in the distance and feel the storm behind. Uh, like Abraham, he was looking for a city not made by human hands. And yes, there's storms. Yes, there's so many problems on this earth. But if, if that's all that's in front of us, then, then that, we're only listening to the wrong voices. We, we need to be setting our attention, setting our face like flint toward, towards the kingdom that is coming and that is already here within us. <laughs> 